Hey, it's James. We're trying to learn more about you, dear listener of this show. So if you have 30 seconds, either while you're brushing your teeth or waiting for the train, would you mind filling out a survey for me? All you got to do is visit theoutline.com slash dispatch survey. Again, that's theoutline.com slash dispatch survey. That's all one word. Thanks and enjoy the show. Every Monday through Thursday, we bring you a new story on the theme of power, culture, or the future, handpicked from theoutline.com. I'm your host, James T. Green, and this is The Dispatch. Power. A week after Richard Mosley arrived as an inmate at Pennsylvania's Massimong Security, SCI Fayette Prison in 2008, he started getting sick. Power intern, Michael Waters. The air outside was so contaminated that his nose kept closing up. Then came the weight loss, followed by the gastrointestinal problems. Pretty soon, Richard was relying on asthma masks to breathe. So I was going back and forth to medical, trying to uh, get some kind of uh, relief or um, diagnosis or some just help from whatever I was suffering from. Richard, a Philadelphia native and self-described health nut, wasn't used to being ill. Before coming to SCI Fayette, he rarely caught colds. But all the doctors he saw at SCI Fayette insisted that his health problems weren't real. And they kept telling me, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. It's psychosomatic. You're imagining it. Uh, Nothing's wrong with you. You got allergies. Meanwhile, Richard started filing lawsuits and writing letters to local officials three days per week. I mean, I really was making a big stink. I filed lawsuits. My whole thing, if I was going to die there, I wasn't going to die quietly. He knew something was wrong. All around him, inmates were suffering. Skin rashes, gastrointestinal problems, and breathing issues were common across the prison. Everyone had a runny nose. Richard told me that the water quality was so bad that guards brought bottled water for their on-site patrol dogs. But the inmates still had to drink from the tap. After he completed his sentence in 2012, he received a phone call from a Pennsylvania-based advocacy group, Abolitionist Law Center. Richard finally learned what was making him sick. SCI Fayette was built in 2003 on the edge of a coal ash dump for a nearby mine. Winds regularly sent that ash, which contained arsenic, lead, and mercury, into the air around the prison, and SCI Fayette inmates, who inhaled it for a sustained period of time, developed respiratory problems. Longer-term risks included thyroid cancer and lung disease. The ash also seeped into the water, creating elevated levels of trihalomethanes, a carcinogen produced from a reaction between the ash and chlorine, according to a Vice report from 2015. Local residents were warned of these risks, but the people incarcerated at SCI Fayette were not. Despite resistance from activist groups, state and federal prisons continue to be built in environments that endanger the health of inmates. In March, President Donald Trump allocated $510 million to construct a federal prison in Kentucky, the most expensive prison project in U.S. history. Yet the prison is located on a former coal mine, much like the one where SCI Fayette was built, and advocates believe it may cause extensive health problems for future inmates, including respiratory and thyroid illnesses. Though the problems in SCI Fayette are particularly clear-cut, There are hundreds of other prisons built near mines or radioactive weapons dumps or dangerous landfills. Last year, a truth-out investigation uncovered arsenic-laced water in the Wallace Pack Unit Prison, 
which houses mostly elderly and disabled prisoners, in Navasoto, Texas. They also discover that the California State Prison in Lancaster is home to a soil-based fungus that causes valley fever, a respiratory infection that's especially dangerous for Black and Filipino inmates. At Rikers Island in New York, which was built on a toxic waste landfill, inmates have reported coughing up blood and developing cancer. For instance, South Florida's Homestead Temporary Shelter for Unaccompanied Children, which currently houses hundreds of immigrant children separated from their families, is built only about two miles from a Superfund site at the former Homestead Air Force Base. Basically, this is a, a something that's going on throughout the country. That's Richard again. They, they, they extract all the good stuff from the land, then they sell it to uh, some waste companies, and they contaminate the land, and then they sell it to the prisons. And then they start shipping uh, inmates there, and people start getting sick. A good way to identify toxic areas is through Superfund sites. This is an EPA designation that denotes an area of land so contaminated that it's dangerous to the public health. According to Paige Williams, a cartographer who mapped out the phenomenon of toxic prisons, 589 of the 1,821 federal and state prisons in the U.S. stand within three miles of a Superfund site. 134 are within only one mile of such a site. When a new prison is built, officials are required to generate a Federal Environmental Impact Statement, or an EIS. This is a report that weighs the pros and cons of a major federal action on the nearby area. But an EIS only considers the impact that the prison might have on the local environment, not the impact the local environment might have on the prison or on the people incarcerated within it. That speaks to the neglect of incarcerated people. In many states, incarcerated people are stripped of the right to vote, and they're required to work for virtually nothing in wages. The failure to account for their health and well-being is just another part of that system. So, Michael, this story sounds incredible. So, I'm curious, like, are there any other examples of prisons or detainee sites that have experienced conditions like this? Yeah. I mean, first of all, there are hundreds of other examples, um, and we couldn't possibly cover all of them. And as I was reporting this story, you know, I would be asking a former inmate about one prison, and that is supposedly toxic, and they would tell me about another. But one site in particular that I focused on in the story is the Northwest Detention Center, which is located in Tacoma, Washington. And it is mostly an ICE facility. It houses um, hundreds of undocumented immigrants. And it particularly struck out to me because there's a paper trail regarding how this prison, how the site for this prison was chosen. And in this paper trail, you can see the ways in which um, EPA investigators decided that of the two sites that they're considering, one, which is located right next to the Tacoma Tar Pits, um, mm-hmm. which is a toxic site with sludge runoff from a nearby coal plant over the course of decades. Hmm. Um, investigators decided that that site was potentially dangerous to the inmates. And so what they wanted to do was to locate the prison on a separate site, which was closer to the port in Tacoma, which was a big economic center. Hmm. But what happened is that local politicians didn't want a prison in the middle of their economic hub. Um, And so through a lot of advocacy, they were able to push the prison to this toxic site, which was located on the outskirts of the town, far away from everyone else. But it was also 
dangerous to the inmates' health. Hmm. And so this happened in the early 2000s. Um, and I did speak to one activist who focuses a lot on this prison, and she told me that she continues to hear complaints about the water quality there. And, like, when I'd called her, she said that just yesterday she talked to someone who said the water was making him sick. Hmm. So, I mean, this is a decision that has real ramifications. Um, right. And, yeah, and there are a couple other prisons that I focus on as well. One is the Victorville Federal Correctional Complex, which is in Southern California. Um, and this was built on what was then the George Air Force Base. Um, and the George Air Force Base closed down in the 1990s. And it was also listed as a Superfund site. And it contains... Um, countless amounts of radioactive material that was stored in the ground because this was, during the Cold War especially, a major weapons hub. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the U.S. military was testing nuclear weapons and was preparing for an attack on the West Coast here. And so you see a lot of the radioactive substances that were being used at the time, they were just buried on this site. And then in the early 2000s, a prison was built on top of it. Mm. Um, and that and that prison is currently in the news because just last month ICE transferred a thousand immigrants um, to this facility, and there are already complaints about how the prison is understaffed. But I mean, all the while there's this very active prison that's built on this toxic site that's still listed as a Superfund site by the EPA. Mm. So the story involved so much reporting <laughs> on your part. So I'm curious, like, to kind of go behind the curtain here. How did you get access to Richard and what were some of the resources that you used to get a lot of the facts for this piece? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it came through cold emailing different people who then referred me to different people who then referred me to different people. (laughs) Richard was actually a case where I had just found him generally and he was immediately enthusiastic about participating Mm -hmm. um, because he had been pretty active on this issue and In early June, which is when I started reporting this story, I saw that he recently spoke about his his experiences in prison um, at a local conference in Pittsburgh, Hmm. and I I had not seen anything else written about him. There was just this mention of this former inmate who was talking about getting sick um, from this prison, and I found his email. I emailed him, and I mean, he he was just incredible in terms of sharing his story, Um, and... I mean, I'm glad that we're getting to feature it now. And other other people that I contacted were mainly through, like I said, I would look for a lot of advocates who worked at nearby prisons, and then they would refer me to former inmates or other people involved. And, and, and another great resource that I found is specifically for the Northwest Detention Center in Tacoma, um, the publication Investigate West. In 2011 or 2012, they had done a lot of reporting on how this prison was built, and that was also an invaluable resource. So it was really a mix of taking the reporting that other people had done before me, talking to a lot of these former inmates who were speaking up about these issues, and asking advocates like what they were hearing on the ground, what the water was like in these prisons. That was Power Intern, Michael Waters. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. Today, you heard from Michael Waters. To read his full story, including photographs of Richard Mosley and other poison sites, head to theoutline.com. The Outline World Dispatch is produced and edited by me, James D. Green, with production assistance by Michael Waters. Our music is courtesy of APM, and our theme is by the fantastic John Lagomarsino. I'm James D. Green. 
Catch you later. Hey again, you made it all the way to the end, so you must be a big fan. Since you're here, do you mind taking a little survey for me? That way we can learn a little bit more about you. It'll only take 30 seconds of your time. It's super easy. Promise. All you have to do is go to theoutline.com slash dispatch survey. Again, that's theoutline.com slash dispatch survey. All one word. Thanks.